Basil Comedies is the living embodiment of the four hour work week and a great example as to how a book, a podcast or a conversation can change your life. This is one of my favourites. I hope you enjoy our podcast with Basil Comedies. Well, welcome, Basil, to the Influencers and Innovators podcast. Uh, what intrigues me about your story is that you've really imbibed a philosophy that's transformed your business and lifestyle in really recent years. But I'm sure there's a backstory before we get there, Basil. Perhaps you can fill us in a little bit. Where do you come from and what's led you to be here at Fluid Solar House today? Right, so um, so when you say where I come from, where has the business started? Uh, where where did you grow up? What's my background? Yeah. Right, so I was born in a little country in Africa called Mozambique. Right. Um, a little city called Beira. At the time it was a Portuguese colony. Yep. Uh, my parents... Um, Sounds very exotic. Uh, so it is exotic. So, my, uh, so I left there when I was one, so I don't have a lot of experience from the place. Yeah. But my understanding is, so at the time it was a Portuguese colony. Right. Um, so um, this is before independence. This is, so this is a year before independence. So a year after I was born, uh, the country gained its independence. Uh, at which stage, my parents, um, three, um, uh, four kids, three older sisters, and myself, right. migrated to South Africa. So this sounds like there's an interesting backstory even to that. So your parents are in Mozambique. Where are they from? Uh, so my parents were born in Africa, um, the, half of my grandparents were born in Africa, but our background was Greek. Right. Um, and it was quite a strong heritage, and we kind of kept it. Yeah. Um, so I sort of consider myself Greek, yeah. Australian, or, or you know, um, from South Africa. Yeah, uh, even via though, South Africa. But correct, even though I'm fourth generation Greek. Um, wow. And it's quite common with a lot of the European sort of cultures that they keep that culture, they sort of adapt a new culture, yeah. but they kind of keep that culture in terms of where they came from. Well, it's interesting that you've adapted the Australian and you've wrapped your arms around that and, yeah. and uh, kind of foregone the, the Mozambique, uh, South African legacy just a little bit there and arched all the way back to yeah, so, so the Greek. Me, so for me, it sort of depends on sort of the, um, how strong each particular sort of culture is. Yeah. Um, so for me, Australia is home. Yeah. Um, but uh, but Greece is where the, my heritage is, and a lot of, a lot of our traditions and our cultures. Yeah. So I, you know, I want to sort of embrace what it feels like to be an Aussie, but yeah. I don't want to forget um, the wonderful, you know, things that make you know my family my family. That that ancestral legacy, uh, perhaps. Yeah. So um, mum and dad, Greek heritage from Africa, have migrated to Mozambique. What, what were they doing in the Portuguese colony in the in the 1970s? So, uh, so I don't know the exact background, but I'd imagine it would have been very similar to a lot of Greek. So their parents, um, sort of uh, during the war or during a time in Greece that you know there were struggles. Yeah. They looked for better elsewhere, really. Yeah. So uh, same way a lot of Italians, Portuguese, Greeks migrated to Australia years ago. Yeah. Um, a lot of um, European migrants migrated away from Europe to Africa. Yeah. And so, what did they leave Mozambique? Was that because of the political correct? Uh, yeah. Upheaval? So, so in, in uh, so independence basically meant that. Um, so, in, in layman's terms, if you were uh, if you were white, yeah, then you were you weren't wasn't really home. There wasn't really an opportunity wasn't, for you. You weren't as welcome. You weren't as welcome. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, so, was that under threat of property um, so the, acquisition? So, so my, and yeah, my, so my d dad had a jewelry business with his business partner and was his brother. Yeah. Uh, quite a successful business. Yeah. And a lovely home, etc. And my understanding is he pretty much lost most of it. 
So he's very middle class himself and has had to abandon that whole lifestyle in a, in, a, in, a, in a moment. Yeah, that's correct. And, and wow. then just, um, uh, so I don't think it was as dramatic as just grab three bags and see you later. I think they had to six to 12, 12 months to sort of plan, Yeah. Uh, you know, move some assets across, etc. It's still but massive upheaval when you correct, put yeah. your roots into in it. In terms of your, your business and yeah. Wow. And your, you know, your friends, your, it's basically starting fresh. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because um, I think dad was early 40s. Yeah. I think he was 40, 41 when so he was. So around your age now? So two, two years ago. And I actually remember that turning 41 thinking when my dad was this age, he, he basically started again from scratch. Yeah. Wow. And it sort of, it, it sort of gave me an appreciation I didn't have before. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it interesting when we get to certain crossroads in our lives and we reflect upon the uh, the achievements of our of the previous generations uh, and and the perhaps the achievements we didn't completely appreciate in our youth? Yeah, you, uh, you you don't appreciate what your parents um, uh, offer you, do, do you, when you're young? Yeah, yeah. You, I think you may be too close to it. It's only upon reflection that that's probably true. Yeah. So, out of the frying pan and into the fire, perhaps moving from Mozambique to South Africa, it was an interesting time. I guess more politically stable in the 1970s, and mm. so that became home for your family. Correct. How, how was it like integrating? I mean, you were very young at the time, but how did mum and dad settle into? So, so I think I think there was. So for me, it was easy because because that's the home. That's the only place I knew. So I started school, and yeah. it was quite normal. They had lots of. Um, uh, friends that migrated with them, mm -hmm. so sort of never heard a complaint of how hard it was. I think my sisters probably had a little bit harder. They were a bit um, so much older than me, so yeah. my, my youngest of the three is ten years older than me, yeah. and they could only speak Portuguese and Greek. Wow. And of course, South Africa was an English-speaking country, yeah. so um, the stories that they have are less sort of favourable. I think the, their first 10, 15 years was, was a real struggle. Yeah. Uh, whereas for me, South Africa was a lovely place to grow up. Yeah. Um, and I've got sort of only had fond memories from when I was younger. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't feel like a struggle. And sort of by the time I was old enough to remember, Dad yeah. had you know started his, his own jewelry business again and had found his his foundations. Yeah. So that sort of first few years, I missed out on because I was little. So he stuck to yeah. his craft. Correct. And um, did he do that all the way through to retirement? Or that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you, you kind of grew up un under the counter at the store a little? So yeah, so for me dad always owned his own business and I was always going to own my own business. It wasn't necessarily that it was a jewellery business, but during school holidays, you know, yeah. I'd get paid less than the rest of his staff, <laughs> but it was, it was kind of fun and I'd serve a couple of clients, you know, he, he taught me how to open, you know, watches and replace batteries and all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and even though I sort of, um, uh, when, I when I first moved to Australia, even though I was sort of getting out of that industry, it was a it, the experience was great. Yeah. Because you know a week into um, um, moving to Australia, I sort of walked into a local jewelry store <laughs> and sort of found my first job. Yeah. And it's lovely to migrate to a different country and have work within a week. Yeah. And it wasn't for a long period of time, just a year, but it was you know um, it was thanks to sort of having that foundation for when I was younger. So you you were living through that uh, a political uh, transition out of apartheid. You would have been late teens. Uh, early 20s yes that so that's uh, so um, so the first time that every uh, both white and black person were could vote yeah was my first year eligible to vote oh really yeah. yeah so that was the year I turned 18 so interesting times so so so, uh, so fascinating times uh, because um, and, and sort of very positive yeah um, so, so everyone sort of was very positive about the future etc yeah um, but that was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting.
Well, um, and so that led to, uh, after a, a period of time there, um, what, what, what kind of happened in that period, late teens into the yeah, early so, 20s? So the next three or four years, so I was studying marketing. Yep. Um, I, um, uh, du well, during st uh, my studies, there was an opportunity to travel to Greece. Yep. Uh, with, uh, uh, and had you been back to Greece before that? So I had been five or six years prior with mum. Yep. Um, uh, but this trip was the first time that I was going to travel alone. Can I just ask for a moment, you're going to, to Greece, uh, feeling Greek, did you feel Greek in Greece? No, so it's, so it's the opposite. Right. So, so you, you kind of feel like you don't have a home. So, um, um, so in South Africa, you were, uh, you were Greek. Yeah. And in Greece, you were South African. Yeah. Um, so, so you, uh, you, you kind and was of was that confusing? Did, was you, were you anticipating that dynamic when you first went to Greece, or did you? Uh, how? Uh, so it was uh, more disappointing than confusing. Yeah. It was, it was kind of a, a bit sad, and, and as a young adult, you sort of question, you know, do I belong? Yeah. Where's or, my cultural fit now? That's, that's right. Yeah. And I've always been proud being. Greek and I, and I arrive in Greek and they look at me like a foreigner. Yeah. What's the story? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, You're expecting to be welcomed with open arms like the prodigal child. Correct. And yeah. But, but it's interesting because then as you get as you grow older, you sort of appreciate that you're not Greek or Australian or South African, but you're a nice blend, and that's a, that's a cool thing. Yeah. 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 So tell us more about your business journey. Sure. Um, so. Uh, um, Margaret to Australia, worked in jewellery for a year, so a great stepping stone. Um, the, some of the sales skills um, in that industry were very much aligned with other retailers at the time, um, Vodafone. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, got, uh, started working for them right. uh, in retail yeah. and was lucky that the, the, um, the sales skills in a retail level were transferable and then got really lucky yeah. um, in terms of um, started in the business uh, with not a lot of sales skill, natural people skills, yeah. but didn't really understand selling um, uh, you know, um, the sales process. Did you have any mentors or examples in sales apart from perhaps your dad? So, back behind so the there was a couple of people in the Australian jewellery business that yep. um, one particular Asian lady, I think her name was Lou, right. and she was by far their best performer. Yep. And she did a couple of really cheeky little things that, that that became quite obvious to me quickly. Right. So, for example, she would stand in the front of the jewelry store and she would constantly be cleaning these windows. Right. And I'm thinking the windows are pretty clean. You know, yep. what's the story with this lady? Yeah. Because really, she'd just be starting conversation with people outside of the jewelry store. Um, so, um, so when she found an interested uh, um, potential client, yeah. Um, the client would half have a relationship with her even before they've walked into the store. Right. And you under you naturally understood the psychology behind that. Uh, correct, and and I, then I started copying her, yep. um, and then so when I moved into uh, selling mobile phones um, uh, for Vodafone, then, you know my first thing was I'd stand outside the store and Same spray window. the windows, uh -huh. um, and you know the, the, my colleagues would get frustrated with me because you know you're in a retail environment, people come to you to buy, yeah, and it's slightly competitive, to, you know, so who's going to sell more, yeah, and I'd get the first sort of um, do better prospect because I'm staying in front. You're just taking it to the public, just that, that half a step closer. Co correct, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I got a little bit lucky in terms of, um, the, uh, I just had a, a couple of really amazing sales months and a lot of it was just luck. Yeah. Well, you can say, you know, 
you know, I, 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 you know, I, sp I talked them into buying stuff. You were hustling, you, know, you were grinding, was, you could say was, all of that. But there wasn't. You know, I just had <laughs> a handful of clients a week come up to me and say, I say I won three or four of these yeah. when they weren't asking anyone else. Yeah. Um, and I was labeled as a really good salesperson yeah, right. without having the skill of the experience. I wasn't one yet. So you were like, like the, the wonderkind of... Uh, Correct. Of, of, of but, but, but most of it was luck. Right. Um, but then, well, why do you say most of it was luck? Uh, uh, because, uh, because it was. Like, right. like, like, like I just had a lucky month and a half. Okay. But the timing was perfect. Okay. Um, because so it just happened in a window that made you look like a superstar. That's right. right. And then what happens is then you believe you're a superstar. Yeah. Because everyone's telling you, oh, this guy, this kid's great. Yeah. And I suddenly went from being this average kid to uh, the top performer in the state and right. the top 10 in the country. So you, you started to believe the, the, the word out there about you and, and that gave you, gave you some confidence and accelerated you to the next level. Correct. So within, right. so within a year, I was one of their best salespeople. Yeah. Um, but, but that all started because I had, I had a natural inclination to um, work with um, people and to help them buy stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, but none of it would have eventuated had I not just been, had those seven or eight extra clients mm. come up to me randomly and without me even opening my mouth saying I want five of whatever you want to sell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 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 so you really leveraged from that luck and, and, and in doing so, Put yourself in a position of prominence within the business and what was the next step from there uh, so so the next step so i've worked with them for another four years yeah um and then having that uh, their reputation that skill of actually selling always yeah. sort of had me in a uh, in a sort of high regard yeah an opportunity came up sort of towards the uh, my fifth year of employment to actually open a vodafone dealership right um and i sort of jumped at it because in my head that was the next natural step i was always going to work for myself yeah uh, right. uh, the, the, uh, the, um, there's a bit of me that struggles with corporate culture. Yeah. You know, there's, there's some people that do really well in a corporate environment and they know when to make a noise and when to shuffle in and, and I, I just always struggled with that. Yeah. Um, so when there's an opportunity to work for yourself, I just, I just jumped at it. Yeah. Um, and really for the first sort of uh, five, ten years of our business, I just leveraged on my sales experience yep. and built a custom base, you know, by, um, by building relationships because of how I knew how to sell. Yeah. Um, uh, it was fun, you know, we had, we had a lot of, of success with it. Yeah. Uh, but it was what we spoke about before, which was the grind. Yeah. And, and so you've, you've started your own business. Uh, let's go through the trajectory of that business a little bit. So I, I think it really talks to the heart of uh, where you're at now and uh, it's a, it was a real journey. So you, you had a big push for growth within your business as most new businesses do, mm. believing that uh, growth equals profit. Yes. What was your experience with that? So um, so we were relatively, uh, we, we, um, my business partner at the time and I um, were relatively successful in, um, in building a strong sales team, both from a cultural perspective um, and a performance perspective. Yep. Uh, Vodafone, our, our main partner, recognized that. Um, so what what companies, big networks are, are good at when they run well, yeah. is they know how to um, dangle carrots to continue to grow. Yeah. Um, and and that and in hindsight that works really well for them, yeah. but not necessarily for yourself. So um, so what they'll do is they'll they'll um, they'll dangle a carrot where if you uh, um, exceed a sales result, you get a massive reward. Yeah. But um, then when you exceed the result, the the next level of reward is much higher yes. and not achieving it 
um, means you get almost nothing. And there's a penalty attached. Yes. So, um, so you need to invest really heavily in sales, in people, in lead generation, in knocking on doors, etc. Because they're looking at sales and you're looking at profitability and those things don't necessarily match. So, so yeah. they don't necessarily match, no. And, and if, I was to, if I was to change one thing about those years, yeah. um, I would have done a better job in managing that expectation with them. Yeah. And and uh, and only and only running for the carrots that meant win-win for both parties. Yeah, that that's a that's an interesting observation in retrospect. So when you go from uh, you, yourself and your business partner to what kind of numbers were you running in your business in terms of staff, and then talk us through the the rate of diminishing returns that was mm. attached to that so um so the biggest we got and by no means a massive business but the biggest we got was 15 staff yeah um it's a pretty significant business that's it, medium size it's a good it's a good size little yeah. business uh, uh, uh two-thirds of that was a sales team yeah um five were, were admin uh we were at, at the time we was we had a core group of salespeople that were amazing yeah um, and then we had a, a massive churn right um, so you had your two or three that were your, your stalwarts and then you had the others that were the, coming and going. Yeah, and, 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 um, and that's because we were incentivized by um, our network partner yep. um, to have a, uh, X amount of heads because they saw that as this is how you're going to get your results. Yes, yeah. Um, so their KPI was how many heads were in the business, not necessarily, and how many sales were happening, but not necessarily. Their KPI on how to drive our business yep. was how many heads we had in our business. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, and at what point did you acknowledge that that was not working for you? So we probably acknowledge that halfway into it, but yep. but you're into this, uh, um, this, uh, this uh, you're on a treadmill and you can't get off it. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, and then. Um, and then when the business financially isn't going quite as well as what you want it to go, yeah. um, uh, turning it around isn't that easy either because you've now got these big uh, leases and um, uh, so, um, so, so it, it might take you a, a year to put on 15 people, train them and get running, yeah. but it might take you three or four years to actually wind, wind the thing down um, or just get it to a, to a point where, because what you said earlier around um, uh, uh, running like crazy, but not necessarily making a profit. Yeah, um, is a really interesting uh, um, thing to look at in hindsight. Yeah, because because you, because sometimes you you um, you look at you, you feel like you're su uh, successful. Yeah, and, and because you've been doing it for years, yeah, you justify it. But if you stop and and, and look back at it, you go, well, I could have done, uh, I could have put in a fifth of the effort. Yeah. and made double the money. Is there a little bit of disillusionment that maybe sets in when you think, look, I'm doing all the right things and doing what my uh, what my partner, uh, in, in this case, in Vodafone, is suggesting I do. I'm executing that. Mm. I'm selling heaps by myself. My business partner's pulling his end of the deal as well. We're doing all the right things, but why are we just always a bit behind the eight ball? Why, why aren't the numbers adding up? And and then it comes down to, well, why am I doing this yeah. at all? Um, so, so it took me a long time to come to the why am I doing this at all? Yeah. Um, because, um, because, and naturally, I'm a very um, uh, not not a positive person, but I like to look at, I like to look at the situation at, 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 at what's the word I'm looking for? Always look at the bright side, life, glass half full. Uh, yeah. uh, correct, but uh, but in hindsight, that probably wasn't the best way of looking at it. Yes. So, right. so I would come in really excited about the opportunity, yep. when if I was going to be really open and honest with myself, it wasn't such a great opportunity. Yeah. So for years, I kept on pounding. Yeah. Um, 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 and and telling myself a story, an an, uh, an illusionary story of how this whole thing would add up. Hunger for the more. Correct. Yeah. Whereas if I just if I just stopped and and been honest with 
with where it was going, yeah. um, I would have changed my path much sooner. So tell me about your health and your lifestyle at this point. So you're never working harder, you've never had more staff, on paper your business is uh, as big as it's ever been. Mm. Um, what, what's your health like? What, what's your relationship with your family at this point? How was, how was uh, life so, generally? So my, the, my relationship with my family has always been uh, uh, solid. Excellent. So when I say solid, it's always, uh, um, I've always been comf comfortable that I can go home and there's peace. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, relatively drama free is how I describe it. Brilliant. Um, 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 work is stressful. Yeah. For, for lack of a better word, you know, just thinking about those years, my blood pressure goes up. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, health was okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, just it was just a general level of unhappiness. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, so, can you determine a moment where it started to where that realization came that this isn't right? So, so, so not a, not an exact moment because I think there was an inkling. Right. Um, there was always that feeling in the background that for, maybe... For a while. Yeah. And, and if I was really honest with myself, I would have um, started questioning myself more around why, why are you feeling unhappy? Um, yeah. You've got your own business. Yeah. You've got, you know... You're, you're living the dream. Why, yeah. why, you know, why are you so stressed all the time? Yeah. Um, so, so I think it just evolved over time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you've got, got to that point, you've made the determination something's got to change. How did you make those changes? Um, and uh, so, so, so there was a few things. So, so the, the first thing was um, our, our key partner, right? Um, uh, who were a good partner to partner with, but their core philosophy and, and how they go to business, right? Um, at the end of the day, means that that, that, that client belongs to them. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, as a, so you're not really a business owner; you're a glorified employee. Yeah. Um, so the first thing was, how do I add some products, or how do I go to, to some of the clients that I've got a relationship with and start to sa um, sell or add value in other ways yep. with products that belong to me? So you broadened your portfolio of offerings. Correct. So, yep. we, so, so we started our own, uh, and again, it evolved. It didn't just happen overnight, but yep. we started our own cloud-based phone system business, right? Which we brand and we support. Etc. Yeah. Um, and again, that has its strengths, its weaknesses, its risks. Yeah. But it's um, it had an ongoing revenue, like the revenue that came from a mobile network. So, sorry, go. Yeah. So you essentially become your own telecoms network. Correct. Yes. Right. Um, um, and 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 that was just to balance out what I had learnt in terms of um, right now I might have a relationship with a client, but they're not my client. It's not my revenue. Yeah. Um, whereas as soon as I now sell a product that's um, that uh, is associated with my brand, it's my revenue. And if it's my revenue, I've got a little bit more control over it. Yeah. Um, so we did that for a few years and built this other brand and that was going on nicely. But then I looked at what the business looked like and it wasn't any different. Yeah, yeah. So the portfolio of products had expanded, but the, the structure of the business The, the, the stress right and how we go to markets. Yeah. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, and then an interesting thing happened. We, we started to... Um, uh, we started to look at our cost structure. Yeah. And we went, this is all great, but maybe we're just spending too much on rent and maybe we're just spending too much on, but everyone's spending too much on rent. So uh, how do I do it differently? Yeah. Um, and then uh, I can't remember which book I read it in. It might have been Tim Ferriss's book. He, he spoke about virtual assistants. Yes, yeah, for our work week. Um, 
and uh, so the concept of virtual assistants is having someone um, in another country yeah. uh, that can do the work for you, similar work, yeah. um, uh, at a fraction of the price. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, if my cost structure is broken, yeah. then um, I'm not. Uh, uh, how do I increase my revenue? That I've been doing, trying to do that for the last 15 years, and it's mm. it's it's not it's not getting me anywhere. Yeah. Maybe it's about decreasing the, the cost to support my customers. Yes. Um, so so I took on my first virtual assistant mm -hmm. through a um, a partnership by one of my ex-business partners. Yeah. And. Um, and worked out very quickly that uh, this young lady uh, was just phenomenal in terms of how much she cared about my business, yeah. um, but also in terms of how well she looked after my customers. Right. Um, so then the realization came that um, I can service these clients and, uh, and grow this business yeah. uh, without spending a fortune because, um, because the labor component yeah. um, is, is much cheaper. Yeah. Um, and then the whole idea is my Australian staff can help me manage these people. Yeah. Well, I can then grow. But rather than having to put on ten extra people, I can keep my team. Yeah. And uh, and and grow my business without adding that cost component. So you had a staff of about fifteen people at its height at the time that you started making these changes. How many people are in your business? About about half of that. About half of that. So we're down to about six or seven people. Um, and so uh, and was it the admin the admin roles first and foremost that you attacked then? Um, and transferred so, into so the there, there was two key roles so there was the admin role yep. and then there was the project management piece yep. and project management piece just means I, so if I'm selling something like a phone system the yep. delivery of it is quite complex yeah and so 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 I was then stuck with that complexity yeah and um, uh, so I had become the bottleneck of my business I was the only one that knew how to deliver um, so uh, you could only this, take on as much work as you could handle, essentially, and didn't have uh, any greater capacity than that. Correct. So yeah. I've gone from being the only the main salesperson bringing in all the sales to now being the, um, the person that's the only person that could deliver. The, the technical assistance, essentially. Uh, correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then worked out um, through my experience with my virtual assistants that um, they're very capable. Yeah. And and they could take on 80, 90 percent of a lot of those roles that I was um, uh, um, running. And then right. something happened. Which, which for me probably made the biggest difference. Right. It, um, I, um, was I just thought to myself, what else can they do? Okay. Right. And pretty simple question. Right. It's those questions that can change your life. And realised uh, the answer was almost anything. Right. Um, so now I question myself daily. Yeah. In terms of um, what, what am I doing? Should I be doing it, or can someone else do it for me? What a great takeaway. And the answer is not necessarily just with virtual assistants. So. Yeah. So, just to fast forward to where the business is now, yeah. is we now outsource everything. Okay. And so you've gone from 15 to seven. You're at that point. You start to VA your business, and you go from seven and a big lease space, an expensive lease space. You go from seven to now one. One. Mm. You. Correct. And in a shared office space. Correct. Um, something similar to the Innovation Grid, and. Uh, how many VAs have you got? Um, so, 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 yeah, so one tends to oversimplify it. So we've got a team of 15 to 20 um, okay. um, with all of our outsource partners. Right. So right. we're talking from installation of a system through to uh, how to get that Technical set up support to, to level two support to uh, cabling of a system, etc. So you've now got more people 
as part of your business, but without the overheads and responsibilities, the wages and the like that's, that's associated that's, with that. That's the perfect summary. And skill set, collective skill set, higher or well, lower it's, or well, it's, mu- it's much higher. So Much higher. Much higher, yeah. Interesting. So, so the guy that does the delivery on site mm-hmm. um, is, a, is, is, is an IT engineer. Right. So you're now getting specialists in each and every area, or you're training specialists in each and every area. Um, how's your succession planning as a result? So a, a VA just pulls up stumps and said, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, what so, what so happens I, in your so business? I, so I learned that lesson a couple of years ago when, um, when my key VA um, uh, decided to, to, to migrate to a different country, yeah. to the US from Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had done a relatively good job in documenting what she did um, well I've done a good job in getting her to document what she did yep. didn't quite have the structure I wanted yeah and that was the wake-up call luckily I had three months with her right so um, we trained another VA uh, that's now three VAs yeah um, but now we document everything when I say we I don't they do so you really innovated your business to, to leverage the technology that you're already using with your uh, VoIP phone uh, network that you've created and branded um, your uh, so these are things that just couldn't have happened in your business 10 years ago that's right but it's been the lessons learned over that 10 years that's enabled you to deploy this strategy in 2017 2018 and beyond that's right and 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 um and then the uh, the sort of the, the newest opportunity that's sort of blossomed from all of this is i'm now able and i've started helping some of my clients um uh, integrate virtual assistants into their businesses yeah um, because I've come to understand that a virtual assistant can buy uh, a lot of breathing space. Yeah. So one of the main things I notice when I'm out with one of my clients is more often than not, they're quite stressed. Yeah. And they're in that space that I was seven or eight years ago. So you can identify that. You can see the symptoms, Marlock. Where, where they're probably waking up at three o'clock in the morning um, um, with too much going on. There's not enough time, etc. Yeah. And it's and and I've come to realise that. We, a lot of that can be alleviated just with time. Yeah. How do you buy time? You just get someone else to do the stuff that you used to do. Yeah. And just as well as you 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 think you can do it. How, how was how did the ego take all of this? Because uh, there, there's some something in the ego that says I've got 15 employees, I've got this business, I've got that. Um, for you, was there any of that holding you back? So, so I think when we, I think when we hit our, our worst years financially, when the business was struggling, yeah. the ego sort of goes out the window. Yeah, fuck the ego now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's and um, and it becomes about survival. And then once you've survived, the challenge is um, just to keep a level of appreciation. Yeah. And to remember that um, how close you came, seeing your ass. Yeah. Um, and the only reason why you're starting to be successful is because because. You, how, how close you can you see not because you're Superman or because and, and, that, and that sort of keeps me grounded and it's interesting that you you readily identified that in businesses that you walk into on a daily basis as well and can automatically find ways to to, to help them through that same struggle well it, well it's very exciting it's very um, it's exciting to see someone that's and it might be a completely different business in a completely different way and, and potentially they could be making a small fortune yeah um, but if they if they stressed 24 7 yeah and they're not enjoying it and they don't have time yeah then how successful is the business so you you've read the 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 tim ferris book you've started to uh, um, implement some of the strategies what's the good stuff as a result so you've got the vas there 
what kind of flexibility and lifestyle does, it, does this now lend you? So, um, so not quite there yet, but starting to get there. Tell so, me about some little experiments in walking away yeah, from your business. So, 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 so last year I did two little travel experiments and it was only a month each. Little mini retirements? Yes. Yeah. So I went to Europe for a month yeah. um, and two months prior to that went to South Africa for, for a month Yeah. Um, and just, just trialled um, not spending a fortune while I was living like a local. Yeah. And that way I could do it more often. Yeah. Um, but also trialled working a little bit just because I want to be in touch with the business. Yeah. Um, without sort of being in it 24-7. So I touch base with my project managers, my virtual assistants. Yeah. In the mornings. For an hour. Okay, this is really interesting. So you're um, you're in the villa on the Greek islands. Uh, your what does your day now look like when you're working remotely in your own business? So it's it's so interesting because you imagine it to be a little bit differently different to how it is. Okay. So what I realised during my two trips is there's a little bit more work to do before I can start to travel three or four times a year. Yep. And I'm not you know and I'd like to to, to travel at least three times next year. Right. To try and get to that stage. Yeah. Um. So. But by the end of the second trip, I kind of felt like I'd lost touch a little bit. Okay. Um, so, so two things that I noticed. First was there's a lot of stuff that I thought I still had to do that my team was taking care of beautifully without me. Wonderful. And then, was, and then I've worked out there's a couple things that I that I was relatively confident that couldn't that could do that I, that, I, that that they weren't quite there yet. So it exposed some of the cracks within the model and helped you to refine. Correct. And, and, and if anything, if anything, that's probably good to to oh. sort of get away from your business for a little while and because you can sort of be in that rut for six or 12 months yeah. and not realize that those things need fixing. How stimulating and energizing is the novelty of being in a different place? It's, it's just incredible. So, so, so I want to get to a stage and I'm sort of half there where my day looks like that. Yeah. So, for, so for one day I'll work from home. Uh, the next day I will um, try and, um, if I'm meeting a client somewhere, I'll work a few hours at a coffee shop um, and not go to the office at all. Mm -hmm. The next day I'll go to the office. So just that, um, so the, I, I, I still value the routine of clocking in and clocking out, yep. but being able to do it at a slightly different time yep. from a different location yep. um, just, just makes me feel a little bit more alive during the week as opposed yep. to you know, Monday to Friday and then waiting for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, would you have imagined that this was possible five years ago? So if someone told me three years ago that I would be running a, a business completely virtually um, and the business would be in my laptop and I, I could run from anywhere in the world um, and that I'd have people, two people in the Philippines and one in the US that would virtually run my business for me yep. um, and that I'd have a, an additional income where I didn't have to sell 10 widgets just to survive, just to pay my loan off, yep. where that, those 10 widgets would then be profits, I would have said they're crazy. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a really interesting journey over the last uh, five or so years, but I guess that's all, all just uh, working towards a, a beautiful crescendo that's built up from uh, a journey that started so many years ago in Mozambique that's led you uh, not just here in Adelaide, but anywhere in the world, whenever you want to be. That's right. And to be honest, probably the first time for the last sort of year, year and a half, since we've gone completely virtual, which really happened about a year ago, mm -hmm. um, it's really the first time where I'm starting to enjoy yeah. my, uh, my business. Yeah. And it still has its stresses and its challenges. Yeah. But on the most part, I kind of wake up in the morning half looking forward to what the day brings. Yeah. Whereas for a good 14 or 15 years, I woke up 
really afraid of what the day would bring me. Yeah, mm. uh, and, and, if I, and, and now you seem to be this much more natural expression of yourself as well. Uh, I've known you for some time and there would have been a time you would have been suited and booted and here and you almost look like you're on holidays now. Yeah. And this is just the, the way, that, this is your mindset. Semi-lazy thing, isn't you're, it? <laughs> you're just living your work, not living yeah. for the work. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a wonderful example. Yeah. This is a, a great example of somebody who has uh, innovated and leveraged technology and applied it to applied it to their wealth, not just for the benefit of their business, but for their lifestyle and the relationships with their family. So thanks so much, Baz, for sharing you. your story with us. And I hope it's inspired many more of you at home to take on board some of the principles. Sometimes it is just a moment in life or a book that we read or a podcast that we listen to that can make a massive change in the way that we think and then, of course, the way that we live our lives. We hope today was one such podcast. I'm Dave Stockbridge from the Influencers and Innovators podcast. I'm bidding you a wonderful day.